Romans chapter 6, we're going to look at verses 1 through 11. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 11. This will be the first of at least a couple uh, sermons out of Romans 6. Romans 6 is immensely important in your own struggle against sin, okay? And so we're going to look at it a couple times. We're going to hopefully say some things over and over uh, that Paul says over and over that we really need to hear over and over. And uh, so this will be kind of overlapping sermons in Romans chapter 6, but this is a foundational chapter in what it means for you and I to fight against the sin in our lives. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who've been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we've been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him, in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. So that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Father, we are asking today that your Holy Spirit would make this passage clear to us, Father. God, we know there's not a person in this room that knows all that there is to know about being joined to Jesus, about sharing a heavenly inheritance, about the Holy Spirit living inside of us. God, those things are, Lord, we grasp at them. We We strain just to get our minds around them. And Lord, we certainly struggle. God, I struggle. God, to keep them in front of my my eyes continually. And so, Lord, we pray for your help in that today. We pray for the power of the Holy Spirit to teach us and instruct us and make these things abundantly clear. Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, the, 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 the first verse contains a question that we will talk about for as long as we're in Romans chapter 6, okay? It's, it's the fundamental question that Paul is dealing with, okay? And so let's read it again. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound, okay? Now, now at the heart of this question is what Paul just said in Romans 5, okay? So what he just said in Romans 5 is, it's not about your good works, right? Like, like our salvation is not about our, our list. Did you come to church? Did you read your Bible? Did you, you know, you can't get saved that way. Why can't you get saved that way? Romans 5. You're shackled to Adam's sin, right? Well, you're, you're, you're part of mankind. You, you, you have original sin. So when Adam fell way back thousands of years ago, you fell. You were broke. You were condemned to sin. The wrath of God is upon you simply because of Adam's sin. And then... Heaping upon that is your life of sin, okay? And so there's no way to make that up. There's no way to overcome that. And so Paul says, Romans 5, 
The glory of the gospel is that by faith, we can be shackled to Jesus. And Jesus' righteousness and Jesus' glory brings up out of the grave, out of sin, out of death, out of the wrath of God, into the glories of heaven. And so the the whole thrust of Romans 5 is that the gospel is simply this. By being joined to Jesus Christ and His work alone on the cross, you can be saved. Okay. Now, imagine if you have a heart that doesn't love Jesus. Imagine if you're just religious. How might you take what I just told you? Okay. So, so for instance, how might you take verse 20 of chapter 5? Now, the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, just take this last part, where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So let, let's say you don't really love Jesus, you know, but you're just trying to, trying to be religious, trying to be saved, and you read a verse that says, where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. And it's true, right? The, the more that sin has increased, the more that all humanity has sinned, God's grace through Jesus Christ abounded above that, and He is able to bring us out of all that sin. Okay, but what if you've got, what, what if you've got an evil heart? You know what you might say? Well, man, if it's not my performance, if it's not my good works, if it's not my going to church, if it's not my going to church, why am I here? You know, right? Why didn't I sleep in? Why, why should I do good works? Why, why should I flee from sin? Why give all that effort? You know, let's just let grace abound. That's what Paul's dealing with. There were people thousands of years ago that were saying that. Well, Paul, if the gospel is just, if it's all on Jesus, if it's all his work, if it's all by grace, then I can just keep on sinning. There are people saying that today in one way or another. Some of the worst times of my ministry have been sitting in living rooms where, where someone who professes Jesus Christ looks me in the eye and says, I know what I'm doing is wrong. I know what I'm doing is sin, but I'm forgiven. You know, what are they saying? What are they saying? And they didn't say that with a heart of, I'm repenting, I'm turning away from it, I want to get right with Jesus. They said that with a heart of, I, I know, but hey, we all sin. Get on my back, pastor. Get away. I'm forgiven. Okay, what Paul's going to do, he's going to answer that question today. Okay, so what, what, what should, what should, how should people think who, who, who think, well, because there's grace, I can continue to sin? You see, last week we were answering the question of, of, of really the heart of salvation. Last week we were answering the question, what about those folks that are like, hey, just give me a list. You know, I want to go to church, I'm going to read my Bible, I'm going to, you know, go to a small group. Is that all I got to do? If that's all I got to do, that's what I'm going to do, and I'm going to go to heaven. I'll just work my way in. And Paul said in chapter 5, you can't work your way in. Your good works won't do it because you're shackled to Adam. He's going to take you to the grave. He's going to take you to hell. He's going to take you to the wrath of God. Your only hope is to be shackled to Jesus by faith. Okay? Today, we're answering the other question, though. We're answering the other side of it. And those folks that say, well, hey, if it's all about grace, then whoo-hoo, you know, I'm going to keep living in sin. It, it, it's a fundamental misunderstanding of grace, first of all, okay? Uh, and, and this is kind of departing, but, 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 but think about grace, okay? What is grace? My, my definition of grace would be God's riches poured into my life. Without me deserving it, without me having earned it. Some of you, you like the, and, and this is good too, the, the, the anacronym, right? G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. That's a great one. That's a great definition. Okay, but both those definitions are your definition. If it's a good one, it's going to have something to do with God pouring his, his, his riches, his favor into our life. Let me ask you, what is that that he pours in? 
What are those riches? What is that favor? Is it, is it dollars or is it euro? You know? What is it? It's neither of those. What is God's riches? What, what does he give us? When, he, when we say God gives us grace, what's he giving? Himself. Himself forgiven, right? He's given his son. He's given the cross. He's given the resurrection. He's given the Holy Spirit. He's given us his presence. He's given us adoption. He's given us forgiveness, redemption. He's giving us himself. And so by that very definition, if God in grace gives you himself, how could that lead to more sin? What is sin? It's unbelief. What is sin? It's offensive to God. It's transgressing against God. So how does God giving you more of himself how does God drawing near to you make you further away? How does God giving himself to you make you more unbelieving? You see, it just doesn't work, okay? But, but here, here's what Paul's gonna tell us. Paul's gonna tell us that all of this is deeply rooted in what it means to be saved. You know, honestly, if you're the person who deep down you wanna sin, like, like yeah, you just don't wanna go to hell. I do think there's a large category of, of those American in, in the American church who, who don't really love Jesus, don't really want more Jesus, aren't really interested in Jesus, they just don't want to go to hell. Okay, if that's you today, you have a huge misunderstanding of what it means to be a Christian, okay? Because what Paul's going to tell us here in Romans 6 is that it's all rooted in our union, our connection to Jesus Christ. That's the foundation. That's the bedrock, Okay? And that's the bedrock of the Christian life is our connection, our union to Jesus Christ. Last week, we had the theological terms, original sin, the fall. Today, we've got union with Christ. Okay, that's a huge, that's a huge pillar in what it means to be a Christian. And what I'm telling you, what Paul's telling you is that is the foundation of all the Christian life. Okay, so, so why do people and why do Christians invest in others? Why do they turn the other cheek? Why do they bring in the stranger? Why do they flee from sin? Why do they cultivate a grateful and worshipful heart? It's because they're joined to Jesus, right? If, you, if your answer to that is, well, they're trying to work their way into heaven, <clears throat> wrong, right? It's because they've been united to Jesus Christ. Where does the power to forgive those who hurt us come from? Where, where, where's the power to open up our homes and hospitality? Where's the power to serve when it's difficult, to push the gospel around the world, to humble ourselves when we're, when, we're, when we're faced with pride? Where does that power come from? Being connected to Jesus Christ. Okay, so that's what Paul's gonna tell us. So how's the answer? Okay, so verse one, are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Verse two, by no means, Paul says, absolutely not, forbid it. Okay, and then he says this, how, okay, how, okay, he's, he's saying it's impossible. How can we, listen, who died to sin, still live in it? All right, what does he mean? How can we who died to sin, how can we who die? What, what does he mean by that? Have you died already? You know, did I miss something? Did I miss the funeral? Did I not get the prayer chain? You know, how, how can we who died to sin live it? What's he talking about? He's talking about our union, our connection to Jesus Christ in his death, okay? And, and then he gives us right off the bat an image that hopefully all Christians can understand. He says, do you not know that all of us who've been baptized into Christ Jesus? All right, baptized into Christ Jesus. All right, now let's, let's talk about baptism for just a second because this will help you. This is a good, this is a good il illustration. You ought to have this in your mind. When someone's baptized, what, what has happened? Are, are we back there in the back 
discussing with them, you know, before Bonnie says, all right, we've got a baptism today. Are we back there, back there saying, all right, do you want to trust Jesus? Are you ready to repent? That's already happened, right? I mean, they've already repented of their sins. They've already put their faith in Jesus Christ. What they're doing up here is a visible picture to all of what's already happened. And what has happened? They've been joined to Jesus in his death, his burial, his resurrection. That's the picture of baptism. That's why we baptize by immersion. I know not all traditions do that, but why do we do that? Because number one, the, 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 the word baptizo means immersion. It means to immerse. That's what the actual word means. But second of all, it's pictures like this in the Bible that make it very clear. What is baptism representing? Death, right? You've been joined to Jesus. What happened to Jesus? He died. He was buried. He rose again, right? And so in baptism, we're saying, guys, I'm joined to Jesus' death. So in a real way, I died. That's what what Paul goes on to say here in verse 6, right? We know that the old self was crucified with him. You were crucified. When? With Jesus, right? When you put your faith in him, you were shackled to him so that now, in some mysterious way, you were in him. And, and, And his death was your death. His burial was your burial. His resurrection, Easter Sunday, why are we happy? It's yours. It's yours. What will happen to him will happen to you because you're tethered to him. You're joined to him. You're united to Jesus Christ. All right, and so, so right at the bat, Paul gives us this great picture of, of union with Christ in the picture of baptism declaring what's happened to us. And so let, let's carry that out, all right? So verse three. Again, we're answering the question, should we keep on sinning? Paul says, how can we who died to sin? Paul says, I, I died to sin. When that happened? When you were joined to Jesus, okay? You were connected to Christ. And what happened to Jesus? He died. He was buried and he rose. Okay, that's this whole union language. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to take you out of Romans periodically because we see this everywhere else in the Bible. But Romans, we see it in this long couple chapters that are hard because Paul is giving his most detailed explanation. And so I'm going to take you to some other places periodically that are, I think is going to help you, okay? So here's another one, okay? Ephesians 2, okay? So Ephesians 2, you start out in verse 1. Paul says, man, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. You're, you're dead. You're spiritually dead. Well, how'd that happen? Romans 5, Adam, remember? Dead, all right? Now, he goes on to say, verse 4, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive. Are you reading that? Together with Christ. What is that, my friends? Union, right? You're joined to him. You're connected to him. You're in him, okay? Together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved. And then it gets even better. Ready? And raised us up with him. Raised us up. Notice that's happened. We have been raised up with him. And then get your mind around this. Where where are you sitting at now? Bonnie's on the front row, one, two, three, four, five chairs over, okay? Is that where she's seated? Well, in a sense, yes, but notice this. Raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places. Where's Jesus right now? Where is he? Where is he? He ascended into heaven, and what does the Bible say? He is seated at the right hand of God. And so why does Paul say that Bonnie Castor is seated in the heavenly places? Because she's joined to him. You see that? Okay, this is the spiritual reality. We're, we're connected to Jesus Christ. So what happens to him will happen to us. His future, our future, they're tied together. Keller, Tim Keller, he, uh, he uses this, uh, the illustration of marriage, you know. So, so 
Two people get married. Let's say there's one that's worked really hard. You know, they've, they've gone up in their company. They busted their tails. They work, put in 80-hour weeks, and they've worked real hard, and then they, they've accumulated this massive wealth. And another person, they're poverty-stricken. You know, they've, they've never had a, had, a, had, a, had a good job in their life. But those two meet, and they fall in love, and they come to, to be married. And this one says, I do, and this one says, I do. Repeat after me, repeat after me. You know, before God and these witnesses, my pleasure to pronounce that you are now husband and wife. You may kiss your bride. All of a sudden, the one that's poor, they're what? They're rich. Why? Did they work? Did they get a job? Did they get promoted? Did they get paychecks? No. They're connected in union. You see? 1991, August 10th, man, Emma, Emma Dirks walked, Emma Long walked down that aisle. She came up. We said, I do. When she's walking down out of that church, she now owns a Buick Somerset and all my clothes, okay? <laughs> the illustration works better with the really rich person, but you, you get the point, right? Right? We're joined together. What's mine is yours. What's yours is mine. What's Christ is ours. He took our sin. He gives us his righteousness, his glory. So, so Christ's death was a death to sin. True. Death for sin. His, our sins were thrust upon him. He took him to the grave. He paid the penalty to free us from sin, to render us sin powerless in our life so that we would, Paul's gonna go on next week, come back next week, that we're not enslaved to sin anymore. Okay, and so in a real way, you died. Romans, Romans 6, 6, what does he say? We know the old self was crucified with him. Galatians 2, 20, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. This is what makes justification make sense, right? Why, why do we no longer pay the penalty of our sins? It's already been paid. When they put that guy in the electric chair for his crimes and they throw the switch and they kill him, do they, do they take the corpse and incarcerate it? No, it's done, it's over, it's paid, right? Jesus paid it. And we... We, in God's economy, in God's sight, in God's mysterious way, because we're joined to Christ by faith, we were in him. And we died. We died to sin. We were buried. What's burial? It's finished, right? When you're still on the table and the line goes, and they still, oh, they code blew it, come in, try to rescue you, try to bring you back. But when they stick you in the ground, nobody's confused about that, right? You're, it's done. It's over. It's complete. It's finished. And then, verse 4, we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, what does that mean to you? We too might walk in newness of life. Christ was raised, victorious over sin, death, and the grave. And now he lives to establish a kingdom of righteousness, a kingdom in which every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, a kingdom in which there's no sin or pain or death, a kingdom in which God will pour out his riches on us forever and ever, satisfaction, fulfillment, fullness of joy, pleasures forever. And we are joined, tethered, connected to that resurrection life forever and ever, one with himself, I cannot die. And we don't have to wait to experience the resurrection power. Okay, that's part of what Paul's saying here. When he says, you're going you're to keep living in sin? You tell me you're going to walk out after being joined to the king of the universe? And you're going to still be bitter and angry and lustful and greedy? And none of that's going to change when you're connected to the resurrection power? All through Paul's writings, he prays 
God, show them. Show them. Let them see it. Ephesians 1, 19. He says, God, let them know what is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe according to the working of His great might that He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places. Philippians 3.10, Paul says, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection. See what Paul is saying? I want to know. I want to know the power of his resurrection right now. I want to know it. Paul prays for it. He's he's given constant effort. He wants us to embrace our new identity, to embrace that we are joined to a power plant of spiritual energy that enables us to live a new life, a life of confidence and hope and, and progression in the Christian life so that we sin less and less. Paul wants us to know that. How could our lives ever be the same when we are joined to sin? How can we continue? Continue in sin when we are connected to the one who, who, who bought us, who paid the price for the sin, the one who is righteous altogether. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Paul says, If any man's in Christ, he is a new creation. The oldest is, is gone. It's passed away. The new has come. What's he saying? If you're in Jesus Christ, you got a new past. Okay? Don't be that guy who, who receives Christ, I find this all the time, put their faith in Jesus. All this has happened. Wham! And then I'm like, hey, come to our church, man. We get together every week and talk about Jesus and we sing about Jesus and we hear the word. Oh, no, 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 no. I don't belong in church. I'm not like that person. I'm not like those people that go to church. Is none of that True. I mean, essentially, that's what they're saying. They, they, they don't mean to say it, but they're, they're essentially saying, none of that is true. What's true is, I got a bad past, and I used to be an alcoholic, and um, I got in trouble, and I've got you know, several divorces, and I have a broken family, and so I sure won't fa- Your past is gone. You're dead. You're joined to Jesus. Let me tell you, you got more in common with a Christian than you do anybody else on the planet. You're just not believing it. He's new. He's got a new past. He's got a new present. What's the new present? The Holy Spirit of God lives in you. You're connected to Jesus. You've got the Spirit inside of you. You've got a new future, a new home, a new body, a new hope, a new joy, a new glory, a new, a new trajectory for your life. All of this is coming for you. It's out of this part good, and it's coming your way. And nothing can stop it because you're tethered to Jesus. Okay? Now, remember I told you that, that this chapter is the bedrock. It's the foundation of our fight against sin. And what do we need to know? What do we need to do? I gave it away. What do we need to do? <laughs> Know these things. That's all he says. Look, look. Ver- oh, that's all he says right now. He's going to say more later, and we'll get to that in weeks to come. All right? But verse 3, do you not know? Do you not know that all this is true about you? He said, know it. All right. Go to Colossians 3, okay? Go ahead and turn there. I want you to see it. Stay there until I, I tell you to turn somewhere else, okay? Because it's really good. Okay, so remember I told you this is through other places throughout the Bible. Romans 6, 7, and 8, long, difficult passage, okay? Colossians 3, 1 through 4 sums it up real tight, real quick, okay? So we're going we're gonna to look at that. I want to show you some things here, okay? 
So Colossians 3, okay, so Romans, Acts, Romans, uh, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. And that's where you're at in your Bible, okay, you're there. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, what in the world is Paul talking about? Raised with Christ, what union, right? Same stuff we've been saying. You've been raised with Christ, okay, what, what should you do? Seek the things that are above where Christ is. Where's he at? Seated at the right hand of God. We've already talked about all this. Okay? So, so you've been raised with Christ. You're joined Christ. So now what you need to do? You need to seek the things that are above. Verse 2, you need to set your minds on things that are above. You got control over your mind, don't you? Okay? OU fans. Okay? I want you to take your mind right now and shift it. Pull it to yesterday's game. Okay, you there? You there? You remember the touchdowns? You saw it. I didn't see it, but I heard about it. You remember what happened? You remember the score, right? You have a little joy, exhilaration, all right? OSU fans, once you take your minds, move them away from last week, move them to the next week, right? Right? You're forgetting that. You don't want to think about it. You got that power. Your mind's not something that is in control of you. Now, I know it does its own thing sometimes. The devil tempts you with it. Sometimes we get lazy. And we, we are not controlling it. But Paul is saying, set your mind on these things. Move your mind to these things. When you're walking out of your house in the morning, put your mind there. You can do it. It's not too hard. This is who you are. Set your mind on things above. Not on things of the earth. Oh, it gets even better. Verse 3. For you've died. Okay, it's, it's the same stuff, isn't it? You've died. Your life, I, I like this, your life is hidden with Christ and God. Where's your life at? Where's your life? Is it in your job? Is it in your performance at work? Is it in your, your family? Is that where your life is? Is your life all wrapped up in, in, in possessions and recreation? Is that where it is? Paul tells you very clearly you're joined to Jesus Christ. Now your life is there. That's where it is. That's where your satisfaction and joy and your future, it's all right there. Get there. Get there. Put your mind there. Set your mind there. The more the reality that you are joined to Jesus sinks in, the more it will change you. It'll transform you. What, what if you're in the science lab and somebody mixed some chemicals together, big explosion. All of a sudden, Pastor Andrew was there too. He was standing right beside you. All of a sudden, you're joined to Pastor Andrew. You're like, you know, conjoined twins. You know, there he is on your hip, you know, and they can't get him off. And you gotta, you got to go around the rest of your life with him right there. Does it change how you live? Would it, would it change what? It's just Pastor Andrew. He's our student pastor. Would it change what you watch on TV? Would it change how you scroll through the internet? Would it change what you say to your wife when you get in a fight? Would it? Probably would. It's Pastor Andrew. But the Bible's saying you're joined to Jesus Christ. Your life is in Christ. Identity matters, doesn't it? It matters. You know, just, just ask yourself these questions. Who, who are you? Who are you? You know, who, who are you and, and, and what, makes you, what makes you valuable? What, what, makes, what makes you feel that you're important? What makes you hopeful? Why are you okay? You know, for a lot of people, what a lot of men, 
It's all in their work. There's a lot of guys that will work 80 hours a week. They'll, they'll neglect everything else in their life for their job. Why? I'm, there may be various reasons, but I'll tell you this. There's a lot of times it's not because their family is starving. It's not because they come home at night and their kids are waiting on the porch and their stomachs are descended and they haven't had anything to eat and they can't pay. The, it's not because of that. You, you know what it is a lot of times? A lot of times it's that guy finds his worth in being needed on the job, right? A lot of ladies spend a ton of time on their appearance, ton of time on their family, ton of time on their children. Why? It's, it's more than that they love them. It's because their identity is there. You know what your identity is, is when it starts to crumble, what happens to you? And, and, and Paul is telling us very clearly, our identity is in Jesus Christ. Okay, and he's saying, know these things. You got to know them. Now, think about this. If you're a born-again believer, at some level, everybody, you've got to know at the very smallest level, or you're not a Christian, but at the very smallest level, you know that your salvation is in Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection on your behalf, and that you're somehow connected to that, okay? But here's what Paul is saying. Paul, Paul is saying, man, okay, so there you are. You need to know it at this level. And you need to set your mind on it so that you know it at this level. And, then, and you need to seek it so that it's always in front of you. You know, right now it's in front of you once a week. It needs to be every day. It needs to be the constant. It needs to be the thing that identifies you. And you need to keep going up, up and up and up and up. Know it, know it, know it. Seek it, seek it. Set your mind upon it. Consider it. Because here's what Paul is saying. It's the bedrock of your Christian life. And you can't not be changed by realizing who you are in Christ. I had a Spider-Man illustration. There's a young guy over at Fifth Street. He loves Spider-Man more than life itself, so I did this for him, okay? He, he, he seemed to like it. Spider-Man, he gets bit. He doesn't really know what happened to him, though, right? He just thinks he got bit by a bug, right? But he goes home, and, and he starts to realize he's changed, you know? Not all at once, though. Like, he, he doesn't get it all at once. He just, you know, he wakes up the next morning, he's like hungry, hungry, and he's got all this power, and he can lift heavy things, and he tears the sink off the wall, and, you know, his hands stick to stuff, and, you know, he's just figuring out, man, I'm, I'm different, you know? And, and here's the thing. The more he realizes it, the more everything changes. The more he can never be that kid going to school again. And now he's got this whole new mission and this whole new life and this whole new value system and this whole, everything, everything's new because of what's happened to him. Okay, I know Spider-Man's not real, okay? If he was real, here's what I'm telling you. And again, maybe you just don't believe it. You need to believe it. What has happened to you in Jesus Christ is bigger than what happened to Spider-Man. More, more fundamentally changing, okay? He can shoot out web and swing from buildings, okay? But you're connected to the king of kings, the one who spoke the universe into existence and who is establishing a kingdom that will reign forever and ever. And everything in this life, every molecule of it is about that. And you are connected to that. That should change you. Now, think about the Christian life. A lot of times, what, what, do we, what, do we, what do we really thrive on in the Christian life? We thrive on rules, right? Um, and, and they're not bad. There's lots of them in the Bible, and you need them. We need them to convict us, okay? 
And, and so, so a lot of times, let's say you're reading through Colossians 3. Are you still there? I told you to stay there until I told you to not go there, okay? Colossians 3, because this isn't on the screen, so well, you missed it because you didn't listen. All right, Colossians 3, 5, okay? The next verse, verse 5 says, Put to death what's earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. He goes on in verse uh, 8. Put away anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Okay, do you see how when we read those, when those sermons are preached, we get convicted, don't we? You hear that obscene talk and you, you think about the bad word you said. You hear that sensuality and you think about what you thought in the last week. You think about pornography or lust or television that you probably shouldn't have watched, right? When you hear that anger and bitterness, you think about the person you still haven't forgiven, right? And we get convicted and, and, and we want to change. That's all good. But do you see the point here? What comes before 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10? What comes before all those verses 1 through 4? You see, the power for you to really not be angry anymore. The power for you to think of the opposite sex in a new way. The power for you to have a new language. The power of that is all rooted in your union to Jesus Christ. Romans is set up the same way, by the way. It's just on a bigger scale. Okay? Romans, you got Romans 5, justification. Romans 6 and 7, sanctification. Romans 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. All this deep theological stuff. You get to 12, about halfway through, Paul switches. And all of a sudden, he's like, show hospitality. Love your brother. You know, forgive. Bam, 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 bam. But we're, what's the foundation of all that? The foundation of all that is, who are you in Jesus? And what I'm afraid of is there are many Christians that don't, don't ever get anywhere in their Christian life because they're just responding to the rule. But they're never coming back and, and embracing who they are in Jesus. Their union, their connection to Jesus Christ. Okay, so now back in Romans 6. Okay, so now back in Romans 6. Let's go back to the question. Okay, so the question is, are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? The answer is, by no means, how can we who who died to sin, still live in it. Okay, now, my, my final question is, what does Paul mean when he says, basically, we can't live in sin? Okay, now, what I don't want you to be misunderstood, I don't think he means that we'll never sin again, okay? If he means that, we're all in trouble, where it's done, you know? When we're not Christians, okay? I don't think he means that. I, I think he means we will not continue in habitual sin. We won't continue to live a lifestyle of sin. We won't continue in unrepentant sin. How, how do I know that? Well, it's clear in the context, but again, other places, this helps, I think. 1 John 3. 1 John 3 makes this so abundantly clear, okay? So 1 John 3, verse 4 says, no, verse 6. Let's start in 6. No one who abides. What's the word abide mean? It means to live in, to dwell in, uh, right? Your abode, right? Where is that? That's where you live, okay? Everyone, no one who abides in him. No one who lives in him. That's union, right? Keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Now look at verse 9. No one born of God makes a practice. My, My two little girls are in basketball right now. And several times a week, they go and you know what they do? They go with their team and they practice. They They dribble over and over again. And then they run the plays over and over again. And they shoot the layups over and over again. Over and over again. Over and over again. Over and over again. That's what practice is, right? And so John is saying no one makes a practice over and over again. Continual, habitual of sinning. Why? 
because God's seed abides, lives, dwells in him. You see that? He cannot keep on sinning. He's been born of God. He's joined to Jesus. And so he can't live a he just can't live in unforgiveness. He can't live in anger. He can't live in lust. He can't live in greed. Well, there are times where he gets angry, yes. And then, he, and then he's convicted, and because Christ lives in him, and he repents, and he tries to get right, and he helps, he calls in his brothers to help him, and he goes to the Word of God. Will he have times when, he, when he's angry and bitter? Uh, yes. Times when he slips up with his mouth and says things, yes. Okay? But he doesn't live there. He didn't practice that. He didn't stay there. He's pulled out of that. Why is he pulled out of that? Because he's connected to Jesus Christ in a vital union. That's what Paul's saying. He won't stay in sin. I'm going to save the rest for next week. And we don't have time to get into enslaved to sin. But let me, let me say this. I'm not done. Don't get excited. Okay. What's Paul saying? This incredible truth. You've been joined to Jesus Christ. But what's real? We don't all know that as we ought to know it. We don't all, Colossians 3, set our minds there. We don't all, we don't all seek the things that are above, right? Sometimes we're living down here. So what do we need to do? We need to, we need to be in the scriptures, affirming our identity. We, we need to worship together. Why'd you guys sing? Why'd you sing? Is it because y'all are trying out for the voice? Is that what you sang? Hopefully you sang because we sang songs that tell you and remind you who you are in Jesus and what he's done for you. That's why we sing, right? Okay? You should tell each other. Tell each other who you are in Christ. This, this is, I think, the thing I really want you to grab onto. Get in the practice of telling each other who you are in Christ. Because we forget. You know what's funny? I, uh, because it doesn't hurt, um, I, for, I forget that I have this on my head. You know? I mean, it's right there, right in front. But I, but I forget I have it. And uh, I'll forget to put medicine on it. I'm supposed to put medicine on like three times a day. and I, I just forget. But, but you know what's real? I don't ever forget for very long. Why? No, it doesn't hurt. Why do you think I don't forget? Well, no, I don't look in the mirror very often. There you go. People tell me about it. Right. They, they remind me. They remind me. I don't ever forget very long because people will remind me. Okay. You need to remind each other who you are in Jesus Christ. Would you get in the habit of that? What I like to pull into the school, and uh, I pull into the school with my little girls, and here come Mrs. Evans or Miss Waddell or Robert Dunwell, or uh, even some of the folks don't go to our church, Mrs. Wagner and others. I did this with Mrs. Wagner this week. I pulled in, little girls were there. I pulled into the school. Ms. Wagner comes, she opens up the door, you know, good morning, Dirk's family. And I said, Ms. Wagner, do you got joy in Jesus? And she's like, well, yeah, you know, she's cold. Yeah, I think the question kind of gets people off, off guard sometimes. And I didn't hardly let her, let her answer. And I just said, you know that he died. He lived a perfect life on your behalf. And he died a death that you, might, that you might be set free from your sins. And you know that because you're connected to him, you can't ever die. And you've got resurrection in your future. And he's developing a kingdom for you in which you'll live forever and ever as an heir in Christ. You're a princess, Miss Wagner. And then I drove off. <laughs> Remind each other of who you are in Christ. 
Paul does it all the time. Paul is doing it in Romans 6. If Paul does it in Romans 6 and Ephesians 2 and Philippians 1, if he does it every time he writes to the church, he reminds them, why shouldn't you do that? Parents, grandparents, you got a little one that's received Jesus in their life and they're born again now? What should you do? Well, a lot of things, but one of the things that you should do all the time. Come up here, Avery. You should do this. You should say, Avery, I know you put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. What that means is you're connected to Jesus. You're joined to him forever. You're tethered to Christ. You, you can't die. Your body can stop, but you're going to live forever with Christ in the heavens. And his Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And he's not ever going to let you go. And you're a princess. You're, you're, you're adopted into the family of God. Now go to school. <laughs> you should do that. Do it to your husband. Do it to your wife. Remind them. Hey, honey. Man, I'll tell you what, it'll change people. You know, especially if they're moping Eeyore around, you know. Car doesn't start a flat tire, you know. Hey, you know. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I was telling a guy this the other day, and he's like, won't they think I'm sarcastic? And I, I said, I don't know, it's true, I, isn't it? I mean, you know, I'm not saying make light of people's pain, you know. Someone has a tragic car accident. I don't know that that's what you need to lead with. You know, you probably need to comfort them. But at some point, I need to hear that. I, I need to hear that I'm joined to Jesus. That needs to be on my windshield. Because that's where the power is. Father, help us. Help us, God, to, to set our minds on things above. Help us, Father, to seek things above where Christ is, seated in the heavenlies. Father God, help us to know that uh, we're dead. We died to sin. We're new. God, these things are so wonderful, Father, that it's, it's hard to keep our minds on them. Father, I pray that you'd make them more and more real. I pray that in our small group we might come away from it tonight knowing our identity in Christ even better, feeling and experiencing our, our connection to you. I pray, Father, let us be good encouragers to one another of who we are in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.